Hi, and welcome to Genderfuck, the sexual health and wellbeing podcast run by trans people and for trans people. I'm your host, Dan Griffiths. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm Oliver Ellis, and my pronouns are he, him. Um, just before we kind of get into updates and stuff like that, we just kind of want to say that we'd really appreciate kind of people rating our podcast um, on like Apple Podcasts or like Spotify, um, as well as just kind of like following our socials and I don't know, like reaching out to us because i think it would like really help with like engagement and stuff like that yeah it's always so nice to hear when people are enjoying the podcast as well so if you want to send us a message or, or tweet about us or anything like that it's it's greatly appreciated yeah i love getting those messages where it's like i was listening to this episode today and i was like oh it's so sweet you. i love when people like say that it makes them think about certain topics they hadn't like been thinking about before like that mm. i feel like that is a main reason why we do this podcast anyway so it, it's always really good to hear yeah for sure um, do you have any updates before we kind of get into talking about dating apps and stuff like that? Um, I, I don't know if this counts as an update, but um, I went to a really cool like trans sports meetup thing. Um, there's this thing called Transactive um, in Scotland, which I think they have one in Glasgow and one in Edinburgh. And um, yeah, we had like a little volleyball meetup with a bunch of trans <laughs> people and we played volleyball and it was super wholesome and fun. So I'll maybe link to that just in case we do have any listeners in Scotland who are interested in that. Um, but yeah, super fun. I always, I always love doing things like that. Um, which is a very kind of welcoming environment. Um, and I know trans people, you know, often have a hard time playing sports in kind of gendered environments or, or things like that. So, um, yeah, no, that was very nice. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone who, who can come along. I want to do that now. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Come, come visit and, um, <laughs> we'll go to, we'll go to one of the meetups. <laughs> Did you ever do, um, bench ball i don't know if it's a very british thing or not no i, I don't think i've heard of that Ugh, i want to do a trans bench ball <laughs> so bad it's actually just like there's two benches on like either side of the court and like the court split in half and then you have to try and like throw the ball to the people on the other side who are on your team and then if the person on the bench catches it then you get to go on the bench as well and then the oh. goal is to get everyone onto your bench it's just like something that we would always play fun. in like school if it was like raining outside or something. We didn't want to go out and play, but like it's so good. I want to play that again. No, that sounds great. Well, that would be so fun. We'll get started. Yeah, or like dodgeball or something. <laughs> my my partner is actually part of a dodgeball league. Um, he's like obsessed with it. <laughs> it is really fun. I'm gonna come move in with you so I can play bench. Literally like bench dodgeball with your partner. Hey, we've <laughs> we've got a spare room now, so you're welcome to visit whenever you'd like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe after Germany, because I am going back to Germany yeah, for two cool. months if they let me in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just worried about that. I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so kind of like getting this started, I basically, I'm pulling most of this episode from my dissertation and I kind of thought about doing an episode about this because my supervisor for my master's, who will be my PhD supervisor, she invited me to like guest lecture for her new module about like human sexuality and stuff like that. Um, and I basically just like talked to the students about my dissertation and the kind of like research around like trans people's experiences using dating apps and stuff. And I thought it'd be quite like one, quite an easy thing to go into after we had a break. And then I've had a weird week where I spilled beer on my laptop and somehow it's okay. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wanted to do something a bit easy and like quite conversational rather than very like, these are the facts kind of a thing. Um, so that's kind of an update i guess and as well as an intro yeah you know yeah congrats on congrats on lecturing it sounds like it went really well yeah i got like 
a DM and then like someone also emailed my supervisor being like, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Oh. And like, I feel like um, <laughs> so I was worried about, because um, I'm sometimes not very good at speaking verbally, but I think like the podcast has kind of given me some like practice with it. So I really didn't struggle on the day, yeah. which was so good because... Oh, that's great. It's like in front of people rather than just kind of like sitting in my room. Yeah, I think practice really does help. Like I used to hate public speaking so much, like I would avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. And now like, I don't know, I do little workshops and things all the time. And like, I think once you can figure out how to do it in your own way, I feel like it makes it a lot easier. Like if you're not worried about being super formal or like being really polished, like, I don't know, I love like an informal lecture or like a chill workshop, yeah. like, you know, just, just hanging out with people and like teaching them some stuff. is always cool. Yeah. I might be able to do some more of that kind of a thing. Cause like, um, my partner, he volunteers for a charity and then, cause I, I need some experience doing something and I can't find anything right now. He got in contact with them, was like, my partner Dan, like he does a bunch of like sexual health stuff. Would you want anything? So I'm gonna call them about that tomorrow. Maybe I could do some workshops or like some online resources or something. Cause our website doesn't really have anything in terms of like LGBT mm -hmm. sexual health stuff. So like that'll give me something to do while I'm in Germany for yeah, two months. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was a very long intro. We're like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, we've been out for a few weeks. Good to get to catch people up on what's going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so firstly, we're going to just kind of define what dating apps are. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but they're basically just software applications designed to generate connections between people who are interested in romance, casual sex, or friendship. I think that's a pretty general definition i think like i think that's kind of yeah. yeah i guess that's like what they're designed to do obviously people use dating apps for yeah loads and loads of different reasons but i feel like that's a pretty good definition of it yeah definitely and then i think it's very interesting and i kind of like when i was researching for my desk i kind of went down a gigantic rabbit hole of this where i was like <laughs> i need to take it out when i edit it for publication because it's kind of not relevant and it takes up a lot of space <laughs> but I want to talk about like the history of kind of like personal ads, like in newspapers and stuff and how like those have kind of morphed into modern day dating apps and how these kind of mediums have helped uh, LGBT people or trans people like specifically like kind of find romance or connection to their kind of queer communities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so first, like obviously, like, as I just said, like personal ads, um, they're basically just kind of like a short description of yourself and like expectations posted in newspaper columns um and these kind of adverts were primarily focused on like heterosexual cisgender and kind of practical arrangements um of like relationships or marriage and they kind of like centered very pragmatic qualities of marriage such as kind of like housekeeping skills for women and like kind of success and wealth for men rather than the kind of like romantic or erotic kind of aspects of relationships they were very like wealthy man seeking woman who can clean house kind of <laughs> shit um and then kind of as a, a bit of an aside but i was i talked about it a couple episodes ago but i was a guest on the q for q queer personal ads podcast and they're like a very good resource for kind of fun like weird personal ads that they've managed to find like it's kind of incredible like the weird things that they've been able to find i listened to that episode this week it was so good i like i love hearing about the sort of historical aspect yeah. of things just it feels like so validating to see like yeah like trans people throughout 
I mean, history is a strong word for, I guess it's not that long ago, but you know, like just kind of historical trans relationships and and the ads were just so interesting to hear and like how people described themselves and what they were looking for. So yeah, I would also definitely recommend that podcast. And just like how it's like always, um, like people have always been kind of like how we are right now, kind of like the way that they write things. It's kind of like, I feel like I know this person Mm -hmm. like already, like I would be friends with them like in today's day and age. And like some of the kind of wording they use is quite funny and kind of like, I guess, speaking of wording, because of some mm-hmm. stuff like that in the, my next little bit. Um, but one of these kind of personal ad um, columns was called The Link, and it was kind of established by Alfred Barrett in 1915 in London. Um, and it was kind of just like this thing of like not only kind of men and women like seeking relationships with each other, but also kind of men seeking men or women seeking women. But kind of because of like how um, being homosexual at the time was kind of illegal due to like buggery laws and stuff like that, they kind of used like covert messaging terms, like kind of Mm -hmm. musical, (laughs) unconventional to kind of say that they were like attracted to men. So they were like unconventional man seeking like, I don't know, companionship with another man or something like that. I don't know. Um, But like women also seeked relationships with other women through this um, column, but there really isn't that much kind of research or like kind of literature about them just because like back then if like a woman was kind of described as like a spinster or whatever and was like living with another woman it wasn't really deemed Mm. that weird compared to like two men living together so there's not very much kind of like written about these people Mm -hmm. which i think is quite unfortunate but he was later kind of like arrested and charged with conspiring to corrupt public morals um due to kind of lgbt people using the service I think it was like a really quite like valuable um resource for LGBT people in quite like a I guess like hostile mm-hmm. like sociocultural yeah. context as well. Um and then if we shoot all the way into like the late 80s, we kind of have like the beginning of the internet. So kind of AOL computer serve, that kind of a thing. They had like bulletin boards where people could send text based mes- text based messages to one another. Um, and like some of these were LGBT focused and like when I was reading about these, I remember I saw some kind of like articles with like interviews with people saying that like they found like relationships or hookups and stuff through these messaging boards, which I find quite fun. And then kind of like as the internet became more mainstream in the 90s and like early 2000s, so did kind of like algorithm based dating websites like Match.com, eHarmony, and OkCupid, OkCupid. Um, and these kind of use these algorithms to match people based off hobbies, appearances, values, these kind of things that you put into the website to kind of give you your perfect match in air quotes. And like, these were, I think, very, very important, especially for kind of LGBT people, because before the internet, especially kind of people had a very big reliance on kind of friends, family, and kind of work connections to find romantic or sexual partners. And being able to kind of use the internet and have a very big kind of array of people that you can kind of connect with, that opens up a lot more opportunities and it can also like allow more LGBT people to kind of find each other. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's so crazy to think how much that would like expand your dating pool. I mean, Mm -hmm. going from like, I mean, especially if you were maybe in like a small town and like, you know, you knew like one other gay person, it's like, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure it was kind of monumental. Yeah, exactly. It's like, even if, I just think about my own experiences, but like, even if I did grow up like on the internet, if I think about what it was like in high school and stuff, I really didn't know that many LGBT people because I kind Mm -hmm. of come from a very small 
a city like it's technically a city but i'm like is it though <laughs> it's one of those ones and then like when i went to university and i went to a bigger city i was like oh and there's like an actual like good gay bar and stuff like that and like lgbt societies and stuff and i was like whoa there's so many people so just like having even that um kind of difference can be quite like shocking but i guess in like a good way yeah i mean even like not even talking about dating apps but just the internet in general like that is who i found in terms of like other trans people it was all through the internet you know like mm -hmm. those initial stages of like realizing that trans people exist and like starting to make contact like for me that mostly happened you know through social media and stuff and so yeah i mean yeah. anything like that I, I we'll talk about this a bit later but in terms of you know connecting yourself to the queer community definitely the internet is like such a strong factor yeah exactly i'm the exact same and then finally for like my little micro history lesson um kind of I found this was very interesting because I didn't know this, but dating apps were kind of primarily pioneered by LGBTQ plus individuals mm -hmm. with kind of apps like Grindr or Scruff launching in 2009, 2010. Um, and then your kind of more cisgender heterosexual focused apps like Tinder or Hinge were later launched in 2012. So it's kind of like, um, what's the safe word? Talk about it a lot where they talk about how kind of sex workers have primarily pioneered a lot of kind of techno like technological mm -hmm advances and stuff like kind of online payment systems and stuff like yeah. that and i think like lgbt people have also like kind of out of a lot of necessity have had to kind of utilize new technologies and stuff like that in order to form connections and form communities and stuff and i think like it kind of gets a bit brushed under the rug and people think like people like elon musk and stuff are doing all of these like advances when it's like mm, i think it's like the lgbt people on the, like the ground floor doing all this if i'm honest but you know yeah that's so interesting i didn't even realize that like more of the lgbtq plus apps were there before some of the other ones that's really mm. interesting yeah exactly um so i don't really want to like go through all of my own findings because it was a qualitative study so it would be a lot of quotes and i think it would be a bit dry um so I'm kind of decided to structure this episode kind of loosely around like the six themes that I found, but I'm taking out one of them because it was just like recommendations for dating app developers. And I'm like, mm, I don't have any research around that, but I'm basically just going to like talk about the kind of general theme and then kind of talk about um, the kind of literature or like psychological concepts and stuff like that, that I found that kind of explain it and kind of expand upon it. Cause I think it was super interesting. Um, so yeah, if Oliver wants to start with our first little section, that would be lovely. Yeah, so as I as I just mentioned, um, the first kind of theme is connection to the queer community. Um, so, you know, queer people use dating apps to find, you know, both platonic connection as well as like romantic or sexual connection. Um, there's often like a lower prevalence of visibly LGBTQ plus individuals within local communities. Um, so I think being able to like, you know, click a button and be like, where are all the queer people? You know, that that makes it a bit easier to find people online. Um, also like is helpful for people who are disabled or who have kind of limited capacity to socialize, um, you know, sort of out in public, um, especially during COVID as well. Like lots of things weren't open, you know, a lot of the gay bars were closed. A lot of kind of community meeting spots weren't really accessible to people. So, um, you know, it, it is, it does offer quite a good kind of alternative to that in-person meeting. Um, especially yeah. with so many like queer spaces being very alcohol centered as well, as well. So just having spaces for people to meet other queer people that aren't like a bar or a nightclub is also, is also quite good, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like I've met my partner on um, Tamey. I think that's how you say it. It's like that oh, yeah. LGBT dating app. Um, but I've also like, I've met quite a few friends through dating apps as well. And it's like, usually it's kind of a thing of like, um, there's like an initial like romantic interest. And then you go on a couple of dates and you're like, let's just be besties. Like <laughs> this isn't the vibe, but it's like, it's been really helpful for like helping me find some of like my best friends, which I think is like really great. Mm. Yeah. I've definitely like, I've definitely probably had I mean, like for sure had more platonic things come out of any dating apps than anything like mm-hmm. romantic or sexual. Um, but, you know, I, it is just kind of nice to see who's out there to like know that there's lots of other queer people in your area or in your city. Um, I don't know. It, it is kind of nice. Um, yeah. I just I like kind of snooping around and just seeing who's, who's <laughs> about as well. Like It's always quite fun. But um, yeah, I think like. It is really good to connect you to the queer community, but then in, I guess, in a more negative sense, just in my experience, I sometimes felt like Grindr was kind of so ingrained in this experience of like being a gay man that I felt like I needed mm-hmm. to have it, even when I, I didn't actually like it. Cause like, just, I feel like how Grindr is set up doesn't really work super well with like how I like my social interactions yeah. to go, I guess. Um, and so sometimes it almost felt like I needed to like show face on Grindr in order to kind of fit in with the scene, um, which is obviously not a super healthy way to see it so i mean obviously there's pros and cons to anything but um yeah i think sometimes when it's like when it feels like it's like a necessity Mm. it's you know it can be a bit unhealthy at least in my experience yeah i definitely agree like i found it really funny when i was like um analyzing my like all the interviews and stuff that i did because Mm. every time someone had like a problem with a dating app it was always grinder like (laughs) like people have problems with like tinder with like um gender categories and stuff but like grinder was overwhelmingly negative and but it's like one thing that like everyone like tends to use it but then everyone also tends to just like use it for a week and then like delete it for three months and then like use it for a week because they're bored (laughs) or they're lonely or something and Mm -hmm. then they just kind of like yeah stop using it it's like a really weird app in that way where it's just like people don't like it half the time but like we still use yeah it. oh totally yeah it's and it is weird because like this is something that i speak to people about a lot of like you know wanting to form i, I guess maybe more meaningful connections mm-hmm. not that like you know if it's a hookup or something it can't be meaningful but like you know people wanting a little bit more out of their dating app experience um but having grinder kind of being set up as a more kind of casual yeah. thing um it's so hard like even if you put like i'm looking for you know friends or like you know networking or whatever the categories are like i think it is still a bit hard to to navigate that because you don't really know what people are looking for and sometimes people aren't really clear about that so dating apps can be good in the way that they like let you explain your boundaries and what you're looking for but is also a bit confusing sometimes i think i think it's like even if you're very in my own experience if you're very clear about your boundaries sometimes people just like don't even like read your bio or read anything and then they just like come in real hot and you're like (laughs) i'm not looking for any of this like i'm not meeting you like i don't want this yeah big pet peeve yeah (laughs) i hate when people just don't read bios and it's like it's there for a reason but this kind of idea of like your local community being I guess seen as more queer is this kind of idea of like queer cartographies um that was like kind of thought of by batiste in 2013 mm. um and it's kind of like that thing where it's like if you're on grinder or something per se and you can see so many profiles of lgbt people who are like a hundred meters away like a mile away or whatever 
your community that you would have thought before was very kind of like het or cisnormative kind of shifts a bit and it's a lot more queer people than you would have expected, which I think is quite like a nice thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and then like the next bit in the kind of like queer community bit that I found really interesting was kind of T for T relationships. It's really unfortunate because there is really very little research about it. Like, I'm really hoping something in my PhD mm -hmm. comes up where I can just talk about it in length. Maybe for my second study, I'll just do like an interview thing of just talking about T4T because I think it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but some of the kind of things that I found around kind of why people might be doing T4T relationships specifically, uh, some people kind of suggested that it's a form of kind of active separate separatism if that's how you say that um from cis-sexist norms um and it also kind of allows people to reject pathologizing norms that kind of assume that trans people need to be fixed which is kind of a problem that a lot of people have when interacting with cis people um but like going kind of away from trans specific things there is the kind of like there's a couple determinants of attraction and similarity is one of them um so kind of Implicit egotism is this kind of like unconscious preference for people who like people who are like yourself. So if you're trans, you might be more likely to like someone else who is trans because there is that kind of mutual understanding. You don't have to kind of like explain yourself to people because very likely the other trans person is going to have a good awareness of what like gender dysphoria, euphoria is, or like how to kind of go around yeah. like sexual activities and like kind of talk about things in a way that doesn't make people dysphoric mm. no absolutely yeah and it's like it can be like there's research about it but it can be like things as little as like if you're on like a register of names apparently my supervisor said that like there's a study where um it was people whose last names were more similar to each other were more likely to get married wow so it's like little things like that which it's like unconscious but like little things like that um can make people more likely to kind of form a connection with someone or be like attracted mm -hmm. to them um and then obviously like if you're with someone who's similar they might be able to kind of reinforce your beliefs so kind of like political things um as well as kind of like reducing the likelihood of conflict in a relationship yeah i feel like even like um in terms of dating or friends and stuff like sometimes it is just easier to talk to a trans person because there will be that kind of implicit mm. understanding um not with like every single trans person obviously but it is sort of comforting sometimes just to know that this person will like vaguely understand what you've been through and maybe sort of share some of those experiences yeah. so yeah i mean i i love being surrounded by trans people it's always a very good feeling yeah because the only relationships i've been with are with other trans people the only hookups i've ever had are with other trans people mm -hmm. too um so i am a bit of a t for t person like i literally want a tattoo that just says fucking t for t on it because <laughs> nice. it's just it's just my preference i'm not gonna lie but it's like one good thing about kind of how dating apps are at the moment is they've kind of started implicate like implementing um kind of trans specific filters and stuff that you can use which i guess it can be a bit of a double-edged sword if you've got like kind of chases yeah. using them but they're good for trans people using them um so kind of like tamey you can search for like cis men cis women trans women trans men and non-binary oh, cool. people or something and you can choose out of those categories for like who you want to see and i think like um well grind has a trans tribe but that one can be a bit confusing as yeah. well because usually it's just like old cis men yeah on it. and i'm like well, okay but like yeah it's a lot of like chasers who are looking for trans people who put that as their tribe which is 
bit annoying, but... Yeah, because it's like, I don't really think I can think of a way of um, getting around that. Yeah. Because it's like, they're gonna use those filters. Yeah, and it's not like you can, you know, it's not like you can, like, prove that you're trans in order to be able to use those filters. Like, that's not really, you know, something you could do. So, you know, just gotta be, be <laughs> yeah. aware that, yeah, I don't know, just, just be aware of everything, I guess. <laughs> just look out for yourself and, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll go more in-depth about, like, kind of safety yeah. things on dating apps, I guess, a bit mm. later, but it's just a weird one, but I think it's really interesting, and I'd love to be able to kind of, like, I don't know, maybe do, like, a T4T-specific interview or yeah, something. Yeah, totally. There is a, this is a bit of a side note, but there is a researcher that I know, and I did a interview for their dissertation, which they're, like, doing at the moment, so it's not going to be published mm. for a while, but it's kind of talking about um, kind of unconventional relationship styles, so kind of kink dynamics or kind of t for t or kind of queer things yeah. like that so maybe in a few months <laughs> i don't know they're probably not going to be done until like the end mm. of the year but if we're still doing this podcast then if i remember <laughs> i will kind of talk about it when i'm able to read it because i think it's going to be super interesting Amazing. yeah that sounds cool so we also wanted to talk about disclosing trans status um, in relation to dating apps. So there's lots of different ways that trans people choose to do this. Um, some people prefer to, you know, put it on their public profile, while others might sort of wait to tell someone after they've talked to them for a while and kind of kind of vet someone out. Um, disclosing can help you kind of claim space on an app as a trans person and sort of help avoid unnecessary questions, um, and also kind of sometimes filter out people who might not be cool with you being trans um but i think sometimes in terms of not disclosing people might feel a bit more more safe on you know on apps like tinder that are sometimes more kind of heterosexual cisgender focused um it really is just kind of a cost benefit analysis you know you have to juggle all the different risks of you know being the target of prejudice or with the benefit of like social support and self-expression sort of validation um it really is just like an individual choice um i think there's lots of kind of controversy sometimes around whether trans people tell you they're trans right at the start or if they wait and like does that mean they're lying to you and it's it's all like mm. it really is such a personal thing so it's up to each individual person you know when they feel safe enough to disclose um so yeah don't tell people when they should tell you they're trans <laughs> yeah exactly like i always i think i always put um on my dating profiles that i was trans just because like it was kind of one of those things where it's like i don't want to start talking to someone and then i say that i'm trans and then they're like i don't want to talk to anymore kind of a thing i just didn't mm. want to bother with that so i did kind of like prefer to be quite like upfront with that especially because like obviously like with grinder as we said earlier like anyone can message anyone and i kind of got some like weird messages about it um but then if they did send me those weird messages i can just like block them like yeah. they've just like outed themselves as like a weirdo <laughs> yeah exactly um like i just remember i got like real weird messages whenever because i'd put that i was trans and then people kind of assume that if you're on grinder and you're trans and you're a trans woman mm -hmm. rather than kind of like um gay trans men or like bi trans or queer whatever like using grinder as well yeah um so i'd get people being like you don't really like pass as a woman. I'm like, I'm not trying to. I'm actually trying to do like the opposite. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I've gotten that before as well. It's like lots of assumptions people make about you kind of either way, I guess. So mm. yeah, I, when I kind of started out on dating apps, I did try like not disclosing I was trans until kind of chatting to someone. Um, mm. It's like, it's gone okay. Like, but it, it did usually just kind of end up with people losing interest, um, whether they immediately like, 
unmatched with me after they found out or if they just kind of you know the chat petered out or whatever um but yeah i mean i think after a while i realized that i was much happier just being open with it um and you know just always making sure it was in my bio um but then you do get the the odd person who just doesn't read it and then you have some awkward situations of you thinking <laughs> that they know your trends but then they don't so eventually i just kind of had to be like for first sort of message of the conversation like you know i'm trans right at the start of everything which was annoying to do so i don't know i think for me definitely having it out in the open now is better because like i don't like people assuming i'm cis just because it ends mm. up in awkward conversations and kind of weird assumptions and and just puts me in an awkward place anyway so i think for me like yeah just having people know up front is 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 my best option i think yeah i'm the same like i can completely understand why people might choose to not disclose i guess like immediately yeah. especially on kind of apps like um tinder and stuff like that with mm-hmm. a very kind of like hat like cis hat kind of a thing yeah. um but for me it was always just like i'm too lazy and i just <laughs> don't want to have to just like keep saying it to people mm-hmm. um but going on to the next thing kind of (laughs) disclosing that i was trans kind of really opened me up to kind of experiences of kind of fetishization which is super uncomfortable (laughs) um so if we just like first start with kind of like defining what fetishization is in this context is kind of like the sexual investment in transness as an overvalued sexual object rather than a holistic individual um and kind of like i think it's quite um good to talk about this in the context of like objectification theory which Mm. was kind of introduced by Fredrickson and Roberts in 1997 um obviously like at that time this was kind of written in the context of cis women and kind of the media and kind of misogyny and patriarchy and stuff like that um but they kind of talk about how it kind of considers how individuals are dehumanized when others use them as an object for obtaining a particular goal such as sex or something like that and kind of treating them as an object due to a particular trait and when i was like thinking about this i kept kind of thinking about um that documentary disclosure yeah almost like um about kind of trans representation in the media and it kind of like how it highlights how transgender women especially kind of trans women of color are like really depicted in a very like hypersexual narrative on tv and film yeah without kind of considering the context around anything so like there's that study by GLAD in 2012 where they kind of ana- they analyzed 10 years of trans representation in the media and the most common profession for a transgender character was sex worker. Um, and these kind of depictions really often like fail to see characters as kind of beyond this trope and kind of communicated that kind of trans individuals' bodies are simply a commodity to be bought and sold for sexual gratification. And they don't really kind of consider the kind of socioeconomic context around why trans women of color are more likely to do sex work it's usually kind of just like it's just what they do or it's like a weird punchline where it's like haha she has a dick where it's like why is that the punchline like why are you kind of representing trans women in this way it's very weird yeah it's so frustrating there's just so much bad representation i mean it's not it's not even really representation because a lot of the times it is yeah. trans people <laughs> trans people in exactly. the you know the, the media but um 
yeah, not not great for sure. But I'm just like I'm thinking about times where I've been fetishized on dating apps and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it's usually just like really weird things, like people being like, "I've always wanted to be with a trans guy to like kind of mm-hmm. tick it off their list," and yeah. I was like, "I'm not." I'm not like a fucking check mark on your list, bestie. Like yeah. I'm a human being. Thank you very much. And I would like to be treated that way, even if it is like a one night stand or something like that, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's, it's so hard for, I mean, I guess anyone, but mostly, I mean, anyone who's kind of fetishized in any way of like having this weird vibe of like someone's being overly friendly to you and like almost Mm. too interested and like just getting this weird gut feeling of like this doesn't totally feel right and like it it sucks that we have to kind of be on guard for that sometimes um yeah i definitely have had that on dating apps before and it's like just try to cut contact as soon as i can because just yeah icky feeling yeah it's like um i remember i've had like a couple times where i've told someone that i was on testosterone or something and then they would start like listing off how top surgery changes my body and stuff and i'm like bestie i've been on it for like almost three years like i know like why are you te- like trying That's to educate so me about like what's going on they're like oh yeah like it like makes your beard grow and i'm like yeah i know it's on my face like what are you talking about and it's this kind of like i guess like a weird investment in kind of transness where it's like they're almost like I don't want to say too knowledgeable because I want people to be educated. Yeah. But just like the way that they communicate it to me just sounds so strange. I don't know how to describe it. It is that weird gut feeling thing. Like it is, it's not a very helpful definition because um, you need to be objective. But usually I would just be like, you know it when you feel it. Like if someone is being fetishizy, like it's not very objective, but you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Super weird. Um, yeah. And it, I feel like it is important to acknowledge that sometimes these gut feelings and who knows, like maybe they're not always right, but like, you know, even if it's not something that you can like prove or that there's like scientific data behind, but like gut feelings still are completely valid. Like if you don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. in the situation, it is okay to, you know, block a person or just stop talking or just to, you know, like take care of yourself and not put yourself in situations where you're going to be actively uncomfortable even if you don't know whether the person is like chill or not yeah i think that's a really important point because i'm a kind of chronic people pleaser so i (laughs) really have a hard time like um blocking people because i feel bad no me too but then at the end of the day i'm like i shouldn't have to feel bad about like blocking someone who is being actively creepy to me because like what are they gonna do yeah realistically it's not my problem yeah exactly like, if they're just like not bothering me anymore so i think like if there's one takeaway from this i just want people to know that like it's fine to block people like don't kind of like feel like you owe them something weirdly yeah especially when it comes to kind of if they're asking really intrusive or weird questions or like really fetishizing mm. questions that just make you don't feel like make you feel very uncomfortable just block them and this goes for anything as well like if so, if you want to take things slower than a person is willing to take things or if they're asking for pics and you don't want to send them like it is always okay to say no to these mm. things like i think sometimes people don't think about consent as much in a in a dating app or online situation it's like it is still every bit as important you know you should still be able to like pay attention to when people say no Mm -hmm. in in online messaging like it is still essential so yeah i think that's like especially important when it comes to grinder because people would send me like without even saying like hello or anything they would just send me a date pic and i'd be like i don't want this and they'd be like it's grinder that's what we do here and i'm like basic concepts of consent and respect aren't yeah like illegal on grinder you can still ask me if i want a picture and i can say no 
like that's a much more pleasant yeah. experience for me rather than just like opening a message i've never spoken to someone before and be like oh that's a dick okay <laughs> like what do you want yeah. me to say about this yeah it is a weird culture <laughs> it's super weird but it's like if they that's a bit of a red flag to me if they say some weird shit like that because it just obviously shows that they don't really care or respect me as a person or my own boundaries so if someone says something like that maybe mm. block them yeah <laughs> so. and like grinder does have the option now i think where it's like um like whether you're okay being sent like you know not safe for work pics or not which is which is great um because like if you if that is something you want like if you want strangers to just send you pics and like yeah absolutely all the power to you but not mm -hmm. everyone wants that so i think as long as you know it's nice that there's an option to kind of put out what you're looking for and not looking for um but am, i'm also aware that not everyone pays attention yeah. to those those things in the bios but um it is i guess a good thing to be able to signal it i guess yeah i was gonna say like i'm pretty sure that option like when you're on someone's profile is like right at the bottom like you really have to scroll yeah. down for it and i don't think many people in grind are really gonna do that work yeah so it is how it is unfortunately yes. <laughs> but you can kind of do little things to kind of navigate around it if people make you feel uncomfortable yeah i guess kind of going off of the stuff around you know fetishization and stuff there's lots of kind of assumptions about sexual preferences so there's lots of things where people will just assume trans people like certain things just because they're trans um so in terms of some people's personal experiences like some app users assumes that people sort of are cross-dressing for recreation rather than like dressing in a way that affirm their gender identity. Um, you can talk probably more about, about the stuff that you found in your study, but you get people kind of assuming, um, you know, trans men are like submissive or like a bottom or anything like that. There's lots mm -hmm. of things that people just assume rather than, rather than treating every trans person as an individual, kind of just lumping us all into one singular group that apparently all likes and wants the same thing. Yeah. And it's like that kind of, assuming like i found basically in my study i interviewed 15 people and there was kind of a range of gender identities and stuff and like no matter what the person's gender identity was it was kind of like this overwhelming consensus of like people assume i am a bottom and i am a submissive so it's not specifically kind of i guess like a male or female thing or like a non-binary yeah. thing it's like a trans thing in my opinion um, that's interesting yeah i found that really interesting too um, and I think like this is quite a lot of kind of bioessentialism and kind of misogyny and stuff like that, where it's kind of like um, these kind of gender stereotypes and stuff that dictate that like a cis woman or something is submissive are often kind of like put onto kind of transgender men and non-binary individuals. Um, and this kind of like, because uh, like, it's based off like someone's like anatomy, right? So it just communicates to me that this person just views me as like a woman and like one of my participants was like described it as like they see me as a spicy woman <laughs> kind of a thing <laughs> um but i found that really interesting it's like obviously with trans women being women there's also that kind of assumption of uh submissiveness because there is that kind of weird thing of like femininity and submissiveness are one and the same when obviously that's not true at yeah. all like obviously people who are feminine or stuff like that can be submissive if that's their preference but it's just the kind of like assumption that masculinity is dominance and femininity is submissiveness or something like that and then put like putting it on people who don't even like identify as like feminine or something like mm -hmm. that and then just being like because of your anatomy you are submissive and i'm like yeah. mm, no <laughs> it's not how it works no not at all but like i've had these like 
so many experiences of kind of like um men, especially on Grinder, where they describe themselves as kind of like exploring bisexuality or something, and then they say that they kind of want to like hook up with me, and it always kind of felt like I was like a safe kind of stepping stone to like quote unquote real men to them so uh, like going yeah. off to cis men and i was like not this i was like i am not your weird like halfway in between like a cis woman and a cis man like i am just a trans man like hmm. you can't really like view me as that yeah and like even though i do tend towards kind of like submissiveness and stuff like that like being a bottom i'd always kind of get these people like saying that to me and i'd always kind of be like but why do you think that though like, why can't I be a top, you know? And I think, like, I don't know. I'm also, like, very intrigued about kind of, like, um the systemic kind of power dynamics between often kind of cis men and kind of, like, trans people when mm-hmm. it comes to these things and the assumptions that people make. Because it's kind of like the stuff that I was saying earlier, but I just, it's very wild to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, I think the power dynamics are definitely something interesting to consider. Like, and it probably comes into why so many people are T for T as well, like not having to deal mm-hmm. with that sort of systemic stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, and like, I have definitely had those similar experiences of like feeling like people were treating me as something other than a man, like not quite a woman, not quite a man, but like something yeah. different. And it's just, it, it can be really frustrating. Um, and as well, people who were like only interested in like topping me and just kind of assuming I was a bottom. Um, I think sometimes it depends how you look as well. Cause I think when I was a bit younger and twinkier, I get the, <laughs> the assumption a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think it was really hard when I was kind of trying to figure out my own sexual preferences as well. Um, like I, I kind of started out mostly bottoming because I didn't really know what other options there were. Um, but once I started topping, I actually kind of found that I liked that better. Um, but then no one, it felt like no one would actually want a trans top because, you know, people would be like, oh, it's not the real thing or, you know, all those bullshit excuses. But, you know, I feel like that came with a lot of dysphoria for me of like, no one's going to want me to do what I would prefer to do in mm-hmm. sex. You know, it, it's kind of a weird feeling. And which is to, to, to put this out there to any trans tops, that, that isn't actually the case. And a lot of people do love trans tops, <laughs> but you know, you just got to find, got to find the right people. Yeah, definitely. I think like going back to the kind of like figuring out your sexuality and how these kind of experiences can impact that is like really interesting to me because yeah, I did get some people in my study kind of talking about how they didn't even really know what they actually liked because they were kind of always yeah. doing things that other people wanted them to do without really kind of stepping back and thinking like, is this even something I like? Like, I don't even feel this comfortable mm. doing this thing, but I feel like I kind of have to in order to get people to give me any kind of attention. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely felt yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I still kind of struggle with that where it's like, I feel like there mm. are some things where it's like, I've maybe forced myself to do or something where I'm like, was I even that comfortable doing that? Was I just kind of playing into what other people assume of me to do? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think maybe sometimes like taking a step back from dating apps can be very healthy in that way of just kind of being like, I need to think about my own shit for a second. (laughs) Um, I found that very helpful for myself. And then also kind of like talking about the whole like kind of trans top thing. I think it also kind of, it a lot of that kind of stems from that kind of assumption of like people kind of being like, why would you do that? Like if there's not a real dick or like you can't feel any like stimulation or anything while you're like fucking me kind of a thing. It's like, what's the point? 
But like, I just think that kind of signals to me that someone like a bit boring and a bit unimaginative <laughs> and like kind of doesn't even kind of consider the kind of psychological like emotional aspects of sex and stuff like that mm. so it's like if someone is being like that i would kind of be like i'd explain why i would want to yeah. do that and like you can get stimulation as like you know there's lots of different yeah like you just have to find ways that work for you like it kind of also signals that they don't maybe know that much about your anatomy or like how like strap-ons work because you can mm. get ones that do actually provide you with like stimulation that like will feel good while exactly. you top someone so people just don't really get that it's like if they're not having like the imagination to even kind of consider that that could be an option yeah and if i explain to them like the kind of get arounds that you can do to kind of both have pleasure at the same time if that's what you wanted mm. yeah. if they were still kind of being a bit like and eh, what's well, not genital to genitals or like who cares i'd just be like okay we well, are just boring <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely not we're not doing this <laughs> um so another like quite interesting thing is like i guess we've kind of been touching on this as we've been going through but just kind of like how dating apps impact kind of sexual experiences um so if we kind of just like start with the positives i guess um mm -hmm. obviously if you have a bigger access to a lot of people who are looking for hookups or whatever then that can really help you with like exploring sexual activities yeah and kind of figuring out your preferences and stuff like that um which i found like i really off i really did not ever meet up with people like i just i'm one of those people where i really need to kind of like get to know someone at least a little bit more and i don't really fuck with the vibe of just being like oh you're down the street let's meet up and fuck like it's just not my thing personally <laughs> like yeah no i'm the same i really didn't end up getting too much out of dating apps like i think i met up with a couple people but it like yeah it's just not really how i prefer to do that yeah. kind of stuff anyway but i think like i would sext people and stuff though and like kind of doing that and um talking to people about different things did kind of like I guess like make me consider other things that maybe I didn't really consider before that I might be like into or stuff like that or kind of like yeah. ways to communicate to people like different sexual preferences and stuff like that which I think is quite an important skill I guess when it comes to like kind of sexual liter yeah. literacy and stuff like that. Yeah it does facilitate this kind of exploration of yeah of your sexuality and of your sex life and just kind of your kinks and what feels good and all that stuff like it is such a good thing for people to to seek out if if that's what they're looking for you know because otherwise like I guess you just have to like meet someone at a bar and go home with them and like stuff that is actually quite a bit harder and like isn't as easy to kind of explore things if you're already like in someone's bedroom you know yeah and I guess like it also forces you to negotiate a bit more sometimes yeah I guess like if you're in a bar one you're likely already drunk um and then two you're not really gonna be talking about like the things that you're interested in doing um or kind of figuring out if you have any like safe words or anything like that like mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the time it's just going to be like kind of going back to someone's like house or like hotel room and just kind of like fumbling about and like trying to figure it out yeah in the moment which if you're horny and drunk it's harder to kind of think um properly so i think it can yeah, be quite no, totally. like i think dating apps can be good in that sense if like negotiation and kind of stuff like that is like an important aspect of uh navigating like sexual experiences and stuff it does kind of have that like i guess like indirect way of talking to someone because also mm -hmm. 
if you're directly in front of someone at a bar, it can be a bit harder to say what you actually want than if you're like yeah. in your own bedroom, just like talking to someone and there's no kind of like obligation that you like have to go back with them or something mm-hmm. where it like doesn't feel as big of a pressure if you're just like, I don't yeah. want to meet kind of a thing. Like obviously no, totally. if you're, yeah, like if you're at a bar, you can obviously be like, no, nah, I'm not interested anymore. But I think there could be a bit more kind of pressure, especially if you already agreed to kind of be like, I'm stuck here. <laughs> like kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. No, the online stuff is definitely like, it can be way less nerve wracking. Like even just talking, like just setting boundaries of like, I want to use condom. And if you're not okay with that, mm-hmm. like we will not be hooking up. Whereas like, again, if you get, get to a bar and you're like flirting with someone, you go home with them. And then you realize that like, maybe one of you wants to use a condom and one of you doesn't. And then it's like, well yeah you know what what now like either one like you don't want to get pressured into doing something that you're not comfortable with but you know people don't really do that negotiation stuff if you're just if you're in person i guess because it's i don't know i, I think there's a lot of kind of assumptions that it's all gonna go smoothly and you just go home with someone and it's all easy and fine and it works out but like you know maybe maybe or like maybe you're both exclusively bottoms or exclusively tops (laughs) and like you know obviously there's always other things that you can do but i think with online stuff you can kind of figure that out beforehand which just can make it a bit easier sometimes if you're not super comfortable doing that negotiation like in person yeah definitely i think it can be very helpful for that i think like i guess like going off like when you were talking about like condom stuff and stuff like that where it's like Mm -hmm. you kind of often have a bit more of a increased awareness and kind of consideration around like sexual health and well-being especially because like mm-hmm. grinder has things where you can put when you were last tested if you're on prep if you're hiv positive or negative yeah. whatever um and it's easier if you're like scheduling a hookup with someone over a dating app or something to be like yo can you just go like get a quick test and like let me know what yeah. the result is or something and then we can like meet up um because i think like in the past i've maybe not considered that um as well as i should have or like negotiated my kind of own needs and stuff like that which i think Mm -hmm. it's really important like especially if you want to have like a really good sexual experience i think one way of kind of getting there a bit easier is the that kind of communication around boundaries and what you want to do and also like your own physical safety and being able to advocate for your own body because you don't need to have a hookup realistically but you do need to kind of take care of yourself i think Mm -hmm. so if someone doesn't want to kind of respect your own kind of preferences for your own kind of sexual health then you can just be like i don't want to have sex with you i think yeah it's not going to be worth having sex with a person who doesn't respect your boundaries you know Mm -hmm. like even if you are like you know because i get sometimes it's like people want to have a hookup and they want it right then and there and it's like you know it's this urge but like at the end of the day if someone doesn't respect you that's not going to be you know it's probably not going to be the best sex anyway so you know they're not worth your time essentially exactly you want someone who is gonna like actually listen to you and respect what you have to say because then obviously that experience can be a lot more mutual than kind of a very one-sided thing where they just don't really care mm-hmm. about what you want at all i can't really imagine that being yeah. much of a pleasant experience so mm-hmm. um but like if we go into the kind of like negative bits of it it's that kind of thing of like i guess bouncing off that is that like kind of feeling coerced into kind of sexual acts or feeling like unable to say no like i often kind of like had that around people like really badgering me for nudes or something and then after a while i'd just be like yeah fine like oh my god like literally leave me alone because of that kind of thing where i was like i know like i yeah. said before i was like a bit of a people pleaser and i felt too bad to like block them 
or something and like they would keep badgering yeah, me i know it's so hard to say no to people sometimes like you feel like you're disappointing them but it's like that doesn't matter like you can just like if you don't send someone nudes like that is fine <laughs> like they're like it's not the end of the world like you don't actually owe anyone exactly. anything and it's like they they're, they're on a dating app as well so it's like if you don't want to give it to them then they can just go and find someone who is willing to go and do that like yeah. <laughs> it's not your own personal responsibility to fulfill the sexual needs of this stranger you know yeah and also like i mean i think you know we're talking about our own experiences going through this stuff but like and i think it's easier to say like don't spend time on people who don't respect you and like make sure you think about your boundaries first but like we both know that that is way harder yeah. to do in practice than just talking about it even on dating apps like i think everyone has probably been in those situations where they've maybe realized after the fact that it wasn't the best for them and maybe it wasn't the healthiest thing it wasn't what they needed you know they weren't comfortable and like it, 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 there's no use feeling guilty about that because it is something that we kind of all go mm-hmm. through. Um, so like if you haven't been clear about your boundaries or if you've done something that, you know, made you feel uncomfortable, you know, remember that you were worth better than that, but also don't beat yourself up about it because it, it really is something that happens to a lot of people. And like, I don't know, we're not experts in this. Like you shouldn't be expected to have perfect experiences all the time. Like it's okay to kind of let yourself, I don't know, just, just don't beat yourself up about it. I guess that's what I'm trying to yeah. say. I mean, like we, are able to talk about this kind of a thing because we've had these weird shitty experiences like i do think it's a very like yeah. universal thing but it's kind of like a thing where mm. it's like we've learned from these weird experiences like things that we probably wouldn't do yeah now exactly. and kind of how we would advise i guess maybe younger or more inexperienced people i don't know i don't think i'm that experienced but like something that i would advise someone to kind of avoid doing there? to kind of help avoid some of that harm but like if it's happened to you oh, no. and you've kind of maybe realized that you've had like an experience that's made you really uncomfortable, it like it can be a teaching lesson for you. Um, another like kind of negative sexual experience that people kind of often reported, especially in my study, was kind of like feelings of uh, gender dysphoria when um, kind of having sex with people that maybe like didn't have a very good understanding of kind of what that person needed or yeah. like maybe like ignoring or forgetting things that that person had said and it's like i've got so many experiences of stuff like that where it's like um on a grinder especially where i've had like people coming in like first message just saying the wildest shit yeah like, like um people just like asking like immediately like what genitals have you got or just kind of being like pussy or dick and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's all very upfront very quickly yeah and i've also had like people where they've asked if i've still got like a chest and stuff like that and i've been like no i got top surgery and then they'll get like sad about it like i owe them having breasts or yeah, something like that, that where it's like my own yeah, I'm like, my own comfort is a lot more important to me than this random stranger being into my body or not, you know? Yeah, I, I've never got it, but I see stuff online all the time about people being like, oh, you're much, you know, you're much prettier before, mm. or much more handsome before. And it's like, oh God, like, don't do, like, don't say that it's to a trans so person. And it's like, things like that just is really dysphoric to me. Like, it really is yeah. so uncomfortable. And I like, I genuinely don't understand how these people think that's like an okay thing to say to someone. Like, yeah, I don't know. And it's like a lot of that, obviously, like, just <laughs> kind of go back to that kind of fetishization of trans bodies of being like, I want a guy, but he has to have like 
breasts or something like that where it's like obviously that's fine if you're mm. a trans guy and you've not had top surgery because you don't need to have that but like for people who have gotten top surgery and aren't comfortable with like how their body was like how i was before that's like so uncomfortable for me i'm like i literally had that surgery for a fucking reason <laughs> yeah it's when people think it's the whole like best of both worlds oh, things and it's like don't. it's just like stop it just stop top five like red light like red flag phrases like yeah. if you say that to me i'm blocking you well it just shows that like <laughs> yeah it just shows that they see your body as being for their own like personal sexual gratification which is just yeah mm-hmm. a bit frustrating and like i guess i obviously like a lot of these like negative experiences that people can have with like sexual acts and stuff that are facilitated through dating apps whatever like it can be quite difficult to go back to the dating app if you're just like it's just uncomfortable like i re-downloaded yeah. and downloaded grinder so many times before i yeah. started dating my partner <laughs> so no same it's just it's one of those apps like i said earlier where it's like everyone just like has it for a week and then like gets rid of it for like three months and then like whenever i would download it yeah. i'd always just be like why am i on this but then it's also kind of fun. <laughs> no, so, yeah. literally the same. That's the thing. It all feels like a game almost. And yeah. it's just like, it's like addicting, but then it's like, you don't actually enjoy it. So yeah. Um. So there is some aspects of, of safety around dating apps that we've kind of touched on, but um, there are some ways that apps can kind of help you increase safety and make you feel more comfortable. Um. So obviously sometimes you do get cis users who express allyship who are like actually genuinely cool with you being trans and like don't make it an issue, which is always mm-hmm. great to see. Um, it's also good to like interact with other LGBTQ plus people, um, other trans people, or just other queer people in your area. As we mentioned before, um, you know, that can be a really validating experience, um, especially for like apps that are marketed specifically towards LGBTQ plus people. Um, the one that you mentioned, like Timey or whatever. I don't know how you say it. Uh, yeah, I'd, I've never used it, but like I've, I've heard people having good experiences on it because it is a bit more centered towards queer people, which mm-hmm. I think generally kind of makes the experience better anyway. Um, and then there's also like things like blocking and reporting people that if someone is giving you a hard time, you can block them or you can report them. Um, I don't know how well reporting people works depending on the different apps, but um, it is always an option. So it, it's a it's good. There, there are systems in place to kind of try to you know keep you safe i guess um yeah like the reporting is like a weird one where it was like something that really came up in my study and i couldn't i did a bunch of googling to try and find an answer but i really couldn't find anything but it's like a lot of people were saying how when they report someone they want to know like if that person was banned from the app or not or if they were just because like when you report someone it blocks them so they can't interact with you anymore but then you don't know if that person is still able to use Tinder or Grind or whatever, and then just go and harass other trans people, whatever the experience was. So I really couldn't find much of an answer about like what you can do. And like obviously the dating apps are like we can't really give people that information mm. because of like confidentiality yeah. and stuff like that. But it was just like it would be nice to know because obviously if I'm reporting someone for being like actively transphobic, then I don't want them to be able to keep using the app um and like harass other people yeah totally i guess just not knowing is a bit frustrating sometimes yeah and i think like reporting can also be kind of used in a negative way towards trans people specifically where it's like one person who was my participant brought out this like really important point where it was like 
because obviously there's that thing of like kind of trans calls or whatever where it's like a bunch of trans people getting like reported off an app like or like banned from an app like at once um and they were like it's either um like apps like tinder like making actively like Mm -hmm. transphobic decisions or it's like the fact that people are like able to without any kind of impunity like be able to report trans people just because they don't kind of fit that specific ideal and like block them or like report them rather and then they get banned from the app like a lot of people were saying in my study at least like i had barely even like finished making my profile and then like the next day like i hadn't even spoken to anyone and then the next day like i got the kind of pop-up that's like you broke tons and services and they're like what wow. did i do yeah because it's like what possible reason could you even have for just reporting any random trans person <laughs> like yeah, literally, because you don't want them on your app, I guess, but, like, it sucks. Yeah. It's really but, like, weird. How, how would that be held up by the terms and conditions? It's like, yeah, I, I don't get it. I think it's maybe down to, like, someone deeming that they're not, like, conforming to specific gender roles particularly well or something. I don't know, because, like, I know Tinder is very binary, whereas, like, yeah, even if you put your non-binary, you have to choose, like, be seen as a woman or be seen as a man or something like oh that <laughs> so it's like it, it's like it's not really non-binary then is it because you're just forcing no. someone into a binary um so tinder is a bit iffy but then like i remember i was like reading a lot of their kind of like things about the gender options and they were really patting themselves on the back for all of this and i was like bestie you've done nothing you've just like you've let yeah. people put on their app that they're non-binary or agender or genderqueer or whatever but then in the actual algorithm, you're not kind of doing anything in place to actually like facilitate non-binary people being their own category or something like that, where it's like you've got apps like Tiny yeah. that can do that and are doing that successfully. So I just don't think the biggest dating app in the kind of like on, what's the word? The biggest dating app, like just around, I don't think they really have much of an excuse to be like we can't do it because it's like the smaller dating apps are doing it so like i think y'all just need to yeah how hard would it be (laughs) just get some like very smart like coding people i don't know anything about coding my friends do but i don't (laughs) but like just get some people who know what the fuck they're doing and like figure a solution out or just keep having a very subpar app for kind of trans and lgbt people i guess it's like you know that like spider-man meme from like the Tobey Maguire ones and like he's standing there and then like um who is it like Kristen Dunst is like standing there like his pronouns are they them like it's very like yeah, it's <laughs> very that. that I just it's just things like that where I'm just like you are the biggest competitor and you can't even figure this out yeah when other ones can it's just real stupid to me mm-hmm. but that aside, obviously, like being able to block and report people is very good for increasing people's safety because I've seen some absolute horror stories of people mm-hmm. just saying the worst shit. And then obviously, if you can block them, then there's not much they can do unless they can find you on something else. Um, and obviously, it's like it's very good for kind of protecting people's like psychological well-being if they can just if they see like maybe on Grindr or something, I don't know, if they see like a profile that has like 
some sus, just sus things in the bio, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like that, no fats, no femmes, no Asian shit, something like that, where yeah. it's like, if they see that, they can just be like, I will block you. So I don't have to like interact with you and deal with that bullshit, because that's a lot. Mm. Um, and then kind of finally, if we kind of have a talk about the things on dating apps that can make things a bit less safe. Um, so that could be kind of stuff like the really, really, really precise geolocation um, functions on Grinder mm, that yeah. always freaked me the fuck out. Um, and then <laughs> kind of coming off that is that kind of like fear of transphobic violence or abuse. So like I'd often get worried that like someone would just like find me through like the thing being like, he's five meters away and then come and do something to me. Like it's terrifying. Yeah. Really scary aspects of like visibility and like, having like you know trans on your profile like it can be it definitely can be scary sometimes yeah exactly because i i don't like tinder that much but i did really prefer it where it was like the minimum was like one mile or something because it's like yeah one mile is like a 20 minute walk or something like that where it's like if i'm gonna meet up with someone then obviously i don't need to know if they're five meters away from me or something (laughs) if they're a mile away then i can probably get to them fairly fucking quickly if i wanted to Mm. So I just think that's a better way of going around it because it was kind of uncomfortable for me, I guess. Like, you can turn that off, but not many people do, I don't think. Um, And then, like, another one is that kind of, like, I guess, like, the lack of matching systems on stuff like Grindr, where obviously if you're on Tinder and stuff, if you see someone's profile that you really just don't fuck with, you just don't have to match with them. But on Grindr, like anyone can message you which has led to a lot of those kind of weird things of people just popping up and just saying the wildest shit without even saying hello and i'm like okay yeah there's no like vetting process yeah like i just anyone can talk to you about anything it's like that can be something that a lot of people do prefer but for me personally i always found it quite uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and then there's also kind of like catfishing and stuff like i I don't know if I've ever had any experiences because usually if there's been, if I've seen someone and I think they're a catfish, it's usually been like somewhat pretty obvious to mm-hmm. me. Like the experiences that I've had where they've picked like someone who is like a proper male model and I'm like, <laughs> and like the picture's like kind of blurry or something like that. And I'm like, you just got this off fucking Google, didn't you? Like, yeah, <laughs> but like obviously people can be quite, I don't want to say smart but like a bit more intellectual about it, I guess, where they pick someone who looks a bit more regular mm-hmm. and people can have some really bad experiences with that. Yeah. It, it's never happened to me either, but I have, I've had some friends who it's like happened to, and they've realized that the person they were talking to isn't the person in the pictures. And it is like, it's a pretty scary thing to like, you know, think about everything that you messaged them. And like, yeah, it's definitely, I know people who've had some bad experiences with it and like, yeah, just obviously like, any kind of online safety literacy is like good to keep in mind mm. but yeah it, it can be quite hard to hard to do yeah because it's scary because then you're just like who the fuck did i send all those messages mm-hmm. to like you have no idea yeah because i would always because i'm an anxious person i'd get worried that it'd be like someone that i know or something yeah i'd just be like oh no because that was also another thing where it was like on grinder a lot of people don't have um profile pictures or anything yeah. or they don't send pictures and obviously, if they're not out, they're not comfortable being very visible on Grindr, like, that's their own prerogative, I don't give a fuck. 
but sometimes people would be like like that and then refuse to send me any pictures mm. and i'd just be like i'm not sending you anything because i am terrified that you're like someone that i work with mm. or something yeah yeah and you I'm should like, never know i don't want to yeah like i don't want to send you pictures if it's like i'm gonna go into work and see you and like you've seen me naked or something and i don't know that you've seen me naked kind yeah. of thing. so that's a weird thing so maybe be careful about people like that if if they're really unwilling to send any pictures after like speaking to them for a while i would probably advise to not really speak or meet up with them i think just out of like a safety concern yeah and there's there's always because you really just don't know who they are yeah no exactly and there's always things you can do in terms of like if you are going to meet up with someone like meeting them in a public place or you know there, there's different ways you can kind of mm-hmm. go about that to to make sure the experience is as you know comfortable as it can be yeah exactly because if you are in like the center of town or something and then the person starts walking up to you and like they don't look like how they did in their pictures or something in a way that's really obvious and kind of like scary to you like kind of gut feeling thing or they start being weird then you can just be like i'm going mm-hmm. home or i will scream yeah <laughs> kind of a thing i will scream and i will get this crowd's fucking attention and you'll fuck off kind of a thing <laughs> Um, so I think definitely like meeting people in a public place is a very, very good bet, especially if you're very new mm. and you like really don't trust them. Cause I think there is that thing where it's like, um, with the safety thing where it's like, if I'm speaking to someone who is also kind of like LGBT, not LGBT, but like if they're like, um, trans or they're <laughs> very visibly quite like an indie person like they have very kind of like left-wing politics like i do i feel a lot more safe meeting up with them like in a not public space which i guess is like my own problem but there are some things where it signals a bit more safety to me than just kind of meeting any old random guy off a dating app yeah and it goes back to the gut feeling stuff of like you know Mm -hmm. just just listen to your what your brain is telling you you know that's that's always a good thing so yeah, because I think, like, the kind of closing thing that I want to say is, like, obviously, like, dating apps can be incredibly helpful. Like, I've found my my lovely, lovely boyfriend, <laughs> who I will see in three days, hopefully, um, of dating apps. And I've met some lovely people of dating apps, but obviously, there can be some things about them that are uncomfortable or scary, and you have to know how to kind of handle it and navigate it, which can be quite difficult especially if you're like me and you're Mm -hmm. a people pleaser so i think i guess kind of like having do like i guess like doing some of like the little tips and stuff that we've suggested not letting yourself feel like you owe people anything and you have to do things without kind of if you don't feel comfortable doing it because realistically it is just some random person on a dating app and you don't owe them anything um at the end of the day so if someone is making you really uncomfortable and you don't want to do something or you don't want to interact with them, there is literally no harm in just blocking them or saying mm-hmm. no, I think is like a very important thing to kind of yeah, end off Yeah, absolutely. On. Just, you know, use dating apps in ways that are good for you and just, yeah, try your best to keep those boundaries and yeah, just remember that you are worth, you know, a safe, consensual, comfortable sex life and that... You know, you can use dating apps to your advantage in order to in order to facilitate that. I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks so much for listening to episode 11, where we talked all about dating apps. Hope you found it interesting. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at genderfckpod. Feel free to message us there or reply to anything if you have any feedback, um, as well as you know rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any feedback is greatly appreciated from us. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We should be back um, to our sort of fortnightly schedule from now on. But yeah, thank you.